greener on the other side. Caterpillar to a butterfly. It's green and growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB. We meet again. Welcome to your Saturday morning, seven minutes after the hour. Ashley Frasca here, hosting Green and Growing, as you have maybe just heard. Uh, for the next three hours, 404 750 Wow, those thunderstorms last night, they blew through, and that was really something. We canceled dinner plans knowing that that was coming. Plus, we were stuck at home waiting for a washing machine to be delivered between the hours of 4 and 8 p.m., and it did not get delivered, so that was kind of annoying. Um, Gave up Friday night dinner plans for a number of reasons, but it, it ended up fine because the thunderstorms really, I mean, that was crazy, and the lightning and the thunder, so that kind of made me think back to two weeks ago. I had Brian Albini, a registered landscape architect, on from Pike Nursery, and we had a good conversation two weeks ago, and I'm, I'm happy to say you can now go back and listen to the podcasts. Um, it was an hour three, two weeks ago. When you go to wsbradio.com, click on On Demand, and then do more shows, and you'll find Green and Growing. Listen back to each hour of every show at your leisure. But just kind of a reminder of what Brian and I talked about, kind of the uh, the center of our conversation was really focused on so much rain, so much water, aside from what it's doing to maybe your vegetable crops and introducing more disease and fungus and maybe keeping the lawn too wet and you're having trouble keeping up mowing it, um, what it's doing to trees as well. And those areas that are low-lying in your yard that it's maybe frustrating, they're not drying out, they're staying muddy, the grass is really soft and soggy, or you're just getting a lot of erosion and you're kind of beating your head against a wall because there's just spots that you're not able to keep looking really good. So one of Brian's um, pieces of advice was, as a landscape architect, always better to be able to keep that water running above ground if you can and that way you're you're making sure that it's being directed to where it needs to go you're seeing that it's not coming too close to a foundation or something underground but sometimes piping is necessary with the drains and things like that if it's just really a large volume of water that you're dealing with but for areas that stay wet um, and and really moving away from the idea of a lawn you know if you've got an acre or two and you're just really bent and you spend so much time and money on grass seed or sod or whatever the case may be, um, that is a lot more maintenance on you and you can maybe recreate some of those smaller areas into something else. So an area that stays wet, create a walkway, um, put down gravel or river rock. And he talked about making dry stream beds, which basically are just a shallow swell you can fill with river rock or gravel or something like that. But being able to do those dry stream beds and give that water some place to go and some place to then soak into the ground, and it's not going to be, you know, as damaging as it would be to your grass or something like that. Or how about just increasing the bed size, right? If you've just got a large bed, maybe you've got it, um, you know, encircled with some border, maybe not. But at the very least, some kind of ground cover. Increasing the size of that, then just make it larger, put more mulch down, you know, increase the border size that you've got. Um, and, and maybe, you know, over time, it's going to be a little more on you to keep up with weeding it to make it look nice. But that's where the mulch is so important and so key in keeping that mulch two to three inches thick year round to choke out those weeds and make it look really nice. 
Um, and talking about, too, the, the areas that stay wet, creating a rain garden, he had some great suggestions of maybe some plants that are a little more tolerable tolerable of their roots staying wet. Uh, wax myrtle was one, chokeberry, winterberry. Um, there are some varieties of dogwoods that actually don't mind a little bit wetter spots. And there's ground cover ideas for sure. Um, there's There's all kinds of things that you can find that tolerate wet conditions a little bit more. So sloped sites, not necessarily well-drained. You know, soils that have poor internal drainage, a high clay content, which we know we have here, you may just have to add soil amendments, ground covers, things like that. So definitely something to think about. And if you're just really seeing some new developments in your landscape with all of this rain, Pike Nursery, it may be good to give them a call and uh, kind of see what they would have to offer in the way of landscape design or maybe give you an idea that you just wouldn't have had otherwise to tolerate all this rain. 404-872-0750 is the number to get on Green and Growing. I'm here with you until 9 o'clock. And uh, grateful that I have friends who are gardeners and they happily keep in touch with me and pass along show ideas and things that they're experiencing. I love keeping up with that. And recently I heard from my old high school, well, she's not old, but my high school English teacher from back in the day, uh, Peggy Corbett. And I loved her text the other day and she said my goodness are you able to find out how many days of 90 degree heat or higher we've had uh she said i think it's noteworthy that everyone is noticing sluggish production in food gardens a lot of green tomatoes not a lot of ripening um spoke with scott slade the other day and he's finally noticing some things in his garden picking up as well so maybe things seemed stalled out for a little bit so that got me thinking okay how many days of 90 degrees or hotter weather have we had? So I reached out to Channel 2 Action News meteorologist Brad Nitz and said, hey, is this the thing? Can we maybe contribute this to some of some of the reason why our fruit production is a little slower? And he said, you know, it's no trouble to find that out. In May, we had three days, 90 degrees or hotter. The monthly average temperature was about just a degree and a half below normal. So that's average. June, only three days. Monthly average temperature there, only 0.3 degrees below normal. And July, at least through July 12th, when he pulled these numbers, no days that were 90 degrees or hotter. So everything seems about average. But if you're experiencing that in your garden, I would kind of like to hear from you and maybe put our heads together and even see if that's really been a problem for you. Uh, 404-872-0750. We can kind of figure out together, you know, what's going on. And knowing, too, in the vegetable garden, when you've got those tomatoes and other things, knowing when to pick them at the right time. You know, I mean, there are some things that it's certainly better to go ahead and get those off those stems earlier rather than later. That way you take over the environmental control of those things, bring them in the house, find ways to ripen them. Uh, The longer, of course, you have to leave them out in the garden, the more susceptible they could be to damage from the weather or pests or insects or things like that. And and okra, I can think in particular, mine is so slow. I don't think mine's going to do anything this year. But okra in particular, so important to go ahead and harvest those pretty quickly because the longer you leave them on, they're just going to get kind of stringy and tough. And no one wants that for sure. Um, and there's so many others that you definitely want to harvest at the right time just so you get the right taste and the right flavor. For example, like picking squash regularly as well to keep up production. 
So if the vines wilt, check the base for sawdust. Hopefully you have not seen any squash borers. If so, you hopefully will have already removed the infected plants. But for those of you with healthy squash, picking them regularly is really going to help the rest of the plant and be beneficial to the rest of the fruit there. So that's something to think about when you're harvesting things in your garden. And you know what? The tomatoes, too. Once they get to maybe an orange color, like a pale, pale red, go ahead and harvest them. And traditionally, a lot of us have put them on the windowsill and let them harvest that way. Um, But I have since read putting them in a brown paper bag in a cool spot may bring on the ripening process a little bit faster. If you, you know, pick them from the garden and you're just really anxious to eat them in the next three, four days, something like that. So uh, if you have any tips as well, any hints for folks who may be new to vegetable gardening this year and they need the help, you can share. 404-872-0750. And excited to have Walter Reeves along in just a little bit. We're going to be talking about invasive plants. And I definitely think we've had that conversation before, but uh, our communication about that was kind of reinvigorated by an article that we both happened to read in the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, not just but one or two weeks ago, from Zachary Hansen, and he was kind of in tune with what was going on in the city of Brookhaven. And a lot of landscapes in Brookhaven have these crazy invasive plants and neighbors kind of going after each other. You know, what's going on? Who's responsible for this? So the simple answer, whoever's lawn originally sprouted the weed, that's who's responsible for it, whether it's bamboo or ivy or something like that. So at the end of June, Brookhaven leaders unanimously updated the city's code to add an invasive uh, vegetation section. So I want to pick Walter's brain about that, what we can do, what we shouldn't do, all of that coming up just after 630. 404-872-0750. Just a few minutes, I'll be back with the top three things to do in the landscape this weekend. You're listening to 95.5 WSB. Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca. Here's your garden to-do list this week. All right, getting into the middle to late part of the month in July. So number one, something I did when I was over at my mom's house just the other day, continued deadheading flowering annuals and perennials too, just as I was on her front porch picking off the uh, faded blooms of calabricoa and petunias. Also dianthus. I got down on my hands and knees and clipped off the tops of dianthus because those are perennials. Those are great, and they're going to keep putting those flowers out. Coreopsis, um, mine are pretty much done. And impatience, that frees up energy for the rest of the plant. Number two, protect the leaves of your fruit and vegetable plants from unwanted pests. I don't know. Mine have not been affected this year. Maybe all the rain has just kept uh, the bugs away. But BT, as needed, that'll ward off the caterpillars and the worms, the things that are really going to get into, uh, you know, munching on your leaves for sure. Spray the undersides too. And that's where you might find tomato hornworm and things like this. If you're checking the undersides of the leaves, there are things, beetles, that you can just physically pick off um, with your garden gloves, of course. And number three, if it's time to spruce up the deck or patio, who doesn't need to do that? Uh, When using a deck wash, just make sure that it won't hurt surrounding plants. So consider using plain water or oxygenated bleach, baking soda, dish soap. These are all common things that I've heard. 
but cover the things you want to protect with the tarp. Spray the hose immediately after using any wash product, and that's going to be really good for all the plants that you have around. Uh, coming up just in a few minutes, we'll talk to Walter Reeves about uh, invasive plants. I can't wait to have that conversation with him. And Ed and Lilburn has called. We'll talk to Ed about how to grow hydrangeas. And then at 7.30, halfway through the show today, I'm so excited. This is the first time since the pandemic that I am allowed to have guests in the studio. So I will have Jeff Roth and Rafael Santiago with Premier Tree Solutions. You hear me talk about them, chopmytree.com, very easy website to remember. They'll be in studio, and I already have a couple of questions lined up for them, things that uh, have been passed along to me by all of you on the Facebook page, Green and Growing WSB. So what you search on Facebook, but we'll definitely be open to taking calls too. And you yourself can ask about tree health, pruning questions, maybe any kind of disease that looks kind of funny, a, t- a tree not quite right. You will have the opportunity to call beginning at 730 to talk to Jeff and Raphael with Premier Tree Solutions. I can't wait because I, I have experts who know a lot more than me, and they certainly do in their field. So that's going to be beneficial to all of us. 404-872-0750. Going to take a break and check weather and traffic and update that red alert across the north side perimeter. We'll be back. You're listening to 95.5 WSB. Growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB. Really glad you're here with us on a Saturday morning. We've got half half an hour underway and two and a half to go. Green and growing on Ashley Frasca with you until 9 a.m. this morning. And this is the time of the morning that you've come to expect and you come to know to hear the voice of Walter Reeves. Walter's Wondering, wondering. the definitive questions and answers from WSB's OG garden guru, Walter Reeves. So I got to tell you, we gave folks quite the tease last Saturday at the end of our conversation. (laughs) I think we were talking about fertilizers. We were like, whoa, look out for the uh, city of Brookhaven and some laws against kudzu and bamboo and stuff like that. And folks are like, wait, what? Ooh, can't wait. So uh, with ears burning, I think folks are tuning in this morning. Good morning, Walter. Hey, Ashley, good morning. So this one's a good one. I mean, I will say you and I must have read the exact same article published last week in the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I uh, want to give a high five and props to Zachary Hansen, who actually put the article together and uh-huh. followed um, the city council in Brookhaven and how they came up with new code to add uh, an invasive vegetation section. <laughs> and a lot of neighbors and people in Metro Atlanta may want to know more about that because we talk about, you know, with storms, there's always that uh, age-old thing. Well, if the tree's on my property, but it falls into the neighbor's yard, who's responsible? Or their limbs are shedding onto my garden or whatever. But really, I mean, invasive plants like bamboo, like kudzu, like ivy, oh my God, privet, um, whose problem does it become? You know, and you've tackled Uh, this for years. That's what they wanted to know. They were hot. They yeah. were some hot people at the city council meeting, and they've been hot easings before, determining who is responsible for getting rid of this bamboo. My neighbor planted it five years ago, and I said, in my backyard, shouldn't they have to come in and pay for it, take it away from my yard? 
And that's what the council decided. Basically, wherever it started, that's who's responsible for getting rid of it. I mean, that's fair. But, like, with me, I've been in the house over 10 years, and we would never put English ivy in the ground. I knew better even 10 years ago. Um, But now it's taking over, and it's a problem. So I kind of wish I could tap the old homeowners on the shoulder and be like, hey, guys, you're responsible. But, yes, no. So I would be responsible. Um, There's no... You know, there's no law outlawing those plants necessarily, yeah, but you own them. yeah. But according to the article in the AJC by Zachary Hansen, um, private property owners to maintain those plants and limit their growth, or else you could be charged right. up to a thousand dollars for failing to comply. Oh. And the city employees can actually remove the overgrowth for you. But either way, it's going to be placed on your home as a lien. So either you're going to pay for it, you know, in physical labor yourself, or the city workers can do it. And you're going to pay handsomely for that. So, so um, I, have, I have a question. And I was, as I was reading the article, I thought, what happens when you have a neighbor who plants, let's say, bamboo? It comes into your yard and sprouts in your yard. And then it goes from your yard to another neighbor in different directions. The yard and sprouts there. Whose bamboo is it now? Uh, is it the first guy who planted it originally? Is it yours who didn't control it when the first guy planted it? Or is it the third guy who's on his property so he should take care of it himself. So I know there's going to be arguments about who really is the original owner of yeah. the invasive plant. But, you know, one of the things that <clears throat> I want to want to point out, I guess, is that we, I, I don't like the word invasive plant. I want to, would rather use plants with invasive behavior. Okay. I know that's splitting hairs. But there are times when, well, for instance, kudzu, bless his heart, <laughs> kudzu, saved millions and millions of acres from erosion flowed down to the Atlantic Ocean and the Gulf of Mexico because kudzu helped to control erosion after the Civil War. So it did some good. And when it sort of got out of control and got too much planted and you couldn't control it that all around through pastures and up telephone poles, up trees, things like that, they became a bad plant. After that, it exuded invasive behavior after that time. But for a while, it was a very beneficial plant. It's good shade, too. Well, you know, and we, we've talked to uh, many guests on the show, right plant, right place. You know, you got to think right. ahead. You're going to plant these right. Leland Cypress trees only maybe six feet apart, and you're not thinking mm. five, ten years from now. Right. You're going to plant exactly. ivy for a nice little hill, but then what happens, you know, in a few years when you want to do other things with that hill, and now it's all ivy. Um, so invasive, yeah, use it loosely, but even... Uh, Just talking about, you know, invasive tendencies, the Georgia Exotic Pest Plant Council, which I've referred to before on the show, uh, they define it as any species, including its seeds or spores or other ways it's capable of propagating itself, that's not native to the ecosystem and whose introduction is likely to cause environmental harm. Um, So there we go. I mean, I'm about to say something that will not not uh, endear me to some of your listeners, actually. <laughs> there, are, there are times when English ivy is the only plant that can do what needs to be done. Yeah. I have seen slope shady places that nothing in the world will grow in there other than English ivy. If I want to control erosion in those places, English ivy, if you'll be sure and maintain it, not let it go up trees, not to get it out of control and get in your neighbor's yard, English ivy can do what you want it to do and Sometimes I'll recommend it be planted. 
You know, and I love the advice of arborists who are up against that all day, every day in folks' yards. You know, once it does start climbing up the trees, um, it does get to a point when it's really overtaking the tree that it can be harmful yeah. to the tree. Generally, it's not going to choke the tree out. It's not leaching nutrients from the tree just right, growing up it. Right. But once you can really get to the base of the trunk, they recommend, you know, a weed eater or something like that kill it down around the base and then go up almost a foot or two from the ground and cut it there as well. That way you've got like this one or two foot section at the base of the tree that's going to be dead first. But then eventually that's obviously, you know, it's going to die from the ground yeah. up, up the tree. Um, that's kind it's of the remark- way arborists remark- tackle it. How long it'll stay green. It'll stay green on that tree for oh, three or four months sometimes. Yeah. You believe well, surely it's fair to take the sap out of the tree, but it's just so tough that any side can last that long, eventually it'll die. As and, long as you cut it at the base, it will die eventually. Yeah, and it just becomes so heavy and weighted on the tree. Yeah. So for no oh, other yeah. reason, you know, that's why you don't want it to uh to to really grow up the tree. That's how it's gonna harm it. It's gonna pull it down just because of the weight. And when it flowers, it's actually quite pretty. Um I remember seeing mine flower, I think it was probably about September, and I'm like, ooh, those are like little white fireworks. That's gorgeous. But yeah, yes, no, nice. I mean don't don't use it unless you really need to. So let's talk about control methods. Um maybe for bamboo as well. That's a phone call you got for years. <laughs> always, always. First thing to do is clear every speck of it above ground off your property. In other words, go out and chop it down, mow it down, kick it down, whatever you have to do, knock it all down so there's no green bamboo growing on your property. There's green bamboo growing, it's just underground now. Then, as you as the growing season goes on, keep an eye out on the spot where the bamboo used to be seen. Anything that comes up again, knock it down, cut it down. You can put herbicides on the combs, they're called, the sprouts that come out of the ground. But frankly, knocking them down is about as fast as putting herbicide on it. It's putting Roundup on it. It's putting all those other things on it. So if you'll just be good about knocking them down, eventually you'll get it under control. If you want a little bit faster, then you use Roundup on the on the combs. That's a good plan, I think. And we talked about English ivy. Kudzu, are we really going to kind of treat that the same way as ivy? Yeah, pretty much the same way. Just... For kudzu, manage it. I don't think anybody in the urban area right now is planting kudzu. But there are places that people do have kudzu on a hillside and places where they want to keep it going at least for a little while. So they can manage it by mowing around the edges like you do the inside too. And, an, and another one, um, privet, which again, you kind of look at this as a shrub or a hedge and you're like, oh, it has pretty purple or blue kind of berries yeah, on white, it, you know. berries with white flowers. And yeah, yes. but uh, no, but we don't want that. And you always had a good um, a good way of controlling that, but you really had to be religious about going after it. Just go out and pull it, pull it, pull it, pull it, pull it. Even after you pull it for 50 years, as I did as a child, and grew up to a man, we never fully controlled it on the farm in mm. Bay County. We never finally got that period gone. My friend <clears throat> Russell Camp is a, a landscaper, and he had showed me one time a landscape nurseryman's catalog showing the benefits of privet and showed what a beautiful <laughs> hedge it would make what lovely flowers and how sweet they smelled and how fast it grew and russell showed that to me i thought oh man people used to sell this stuff used to sell it and put it in as an ornamental plant as a hedge but boy so it can really get out of control quickly Gosh, you ain't lying. All right, well, I'm going to share. Um, it's 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 like your head will spin how much, how quickly it gets out of control. I'm going to share a link to uh, Zachary Hansen's AJC article 
on the Green and Growing Facebook page, Green and Growing WSB, and also a link to yours, Dare I Do This, Walter. If people want to plant bamboo, I'm cringing as I say that, you have a really good article how to dig a trench and put the black plastic down and all that kind of stuff. So um, we'll we'll help a brother out if somebody wants to to do that. Um, And also a link to the Georgia Exotic Pest Plant Council. That's been kind of a good resource for me over this last year, year and a half. So I'll share that as well. Um, Kind of in the same vein next Saturday. Oh, my gosh, already almost the end of July, the 24th next Saturday. um, I want to talk to you about ground covers. And this is something that I get asked so often, Walter, and I don't want to steer folks wrong because, of course, they want something pretty. They want something that grows fast. Maybe it flowers, but they don't want it to take over. So here we are talking about things that would you know, maybe have an invasive tendency again. So let's be thinking about some ground cover suggestions for folks, maybe and lay out different scenarios in which ones would work. I have one to recommend that I rarely have ever recommended when I was on radio, but I want to recommend it now. Stay tuned oh, next Saturday. another good tease. You keep them coming back. <laughs> Each and every Saturday, you keep them coming back. All right, Walter Reeves, everybody, thank you so much for joining us, and uh, we'll talk to you again next week. See you, Ashley. All right. Checking traffic and weather next. Please stay tuned. You're listening to Green and Growing right here on WSB. In just a moment, I will get to Ed, how to grow hydrangeas. But first, a weather update brought to you by Finley Roofing. Today, it's going to get up to 88 degrees today. Pretty calm with the wind, but of course, scattered showers and thunderstorms. Same tomorrow, high of around 86, and then major thunderstorms on the way for Monday. Green. Green and Growing. Ashley Frasca's top three things to do this weekend. A thing to think about, maybe your deck is starting to turn a little green with all of this rain. It's staying wet. Time to spruce it up and use a deck wash maybe, but just make sure it won't hurt your surrounding plants. All kinds of things to do that wash. Plain water, oxygenated bleach, even baking soda, dish soap, all kinds of interesting recipes online, I suppose, but cover the things you want to protect with a tarp and then spray the hose immediately before and after using any wash product. That's really going to help those plants underneath the deck out. Number two, continue deadheading flowering annuals and perennials. You're looking at petunias, dianthus, coreopsis, even impatience. Just nip that bud right off and they're going to keep blooming for you. And number three, protect the leaves of your fruit and vegetable plants from unwanted pests. So apply BT as needed to ward off caterpillars and worms and be sure to spray the undersides of the leaves. All right, that's all I got for you now. It is Ed's turn. Ed and Lilburn, good morning. Good morning. Hey, a little bit about that bamboo. You can take some road salt and just pour a little border around the bamboo and it'll keep it from spreading because that salt will kill anything. What kind of salt did you say? Uh, I usually, I, I, I know sodium chloride will work, but I'm not sure about potassium. Just road salt. Okay. Um, you can use probably the salt you use for a water softener, too. Wow. Very good. Ed, where'd you learn that? Uh, I used to live in New Orleans a lot of bamboo <laughs> down there. Yeah, there is. Wow. Well, thanks for that. Well, how can I help with the hydrangeas today? Okay. My hydrangeas are looking a little beat up. Uh I mean, I don't really care if they're all blue. I kind of like when they're all different colors, but uh, I don't know how to cut them back because I'm new to Georgia. Okay. And uh, so tell me what you can to help me keep these things looking nice through, uh, you know, through the rest of the summer. So the ones that bloom, and this is this is tricky, and I know you're familiar with them in uh, Louisiana as well, but the ones that bloom on old growth, like the older looking canes and then the flowers come on to those, you prune right after they flower. So summer, like the ones that have 
blooms now and the blue ones, the mop heads are starting to fade as well. You've got to prune those right after they flower. And then if you can leave the old cane, sometimes it looks attractive. Sometimes people, you know, like to remove them, um, but leave them. And then the ones that are more of like a grape shape, like a panicle, like cone shape, those you can just about prune as late as like March. Um, They come on later. So you've got the blue, the mop head, the macrophylla. A lot of those are starting to fade. And then the panicle, the cone-shaped ones are coming on strong now and will bloom almost into fall. So those you do not have to prune right after they flower. Like I said, you can do it as late as March because they bloom on new growth. Um, so anything cone-shaped like that is going to bloom on new growth, so you can cut them all the way back as late as March, and everything new is going to grow up, and they're going to flower for you. But yeah, the ones that we want to be more careful with are like the macrophylla, the mop head, um, even the smooth hydrangeas, the arborescents. Those are like Annabelle hydrangeas and all of that. Um, and then the soil, too. You mentioned, you know, I like the blue as well. So the blue just means there's acidic soil, and we have that here in Georgia uh, for clay. If you like that blue and you need to make your soil more acidic, I can't see that you would need to, but you need just half a cup of garden sulfur sprinkled around the plant. Then we like the pinks and the purples, and it'll take a season for this to take effect. But to make the soil more alkaline, which is what that pink and purple like, half a cup of garden lime. I hope that answered your question, Ed. Thanks so much. Call back. Since you're new to Georgia, I want to help you out for sure. 404-872-0750. We'll be back. It's Green and Growing on 95.5 WSB. For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.